0: yes hello welcome along to a very surprise edition of the left wing back podcast we might actually call it the left in your tracks podcast today because uh, if you're trying to run up against uh, today's guest I think that's where you be. It is Mr. Marcus Lawler, Carlos Olympian, who's uh, just home in the last few days. Welcome back, Marcus. Great to have you on the podcast.
1: How's things? Cheers. Thanks a million, Kevin. And thanks a million for having me on. I'm looking forward to the forward to the chat.
0: Yeah, Jesus. Great to have you on. I'm absolutely delighted. Uh, we were in touch, of course, when you were over and Tokyo you, and I said, listen, if we don't get this exclusive interview now, we are going to fall out. So thankfully, you've been true to your word. So fair play.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Um, yeah, I'm only back a couple of days and still kind of... Uh, still kind of recovering i suppose and getting over the jet lag it's a it's a long hour journey it's 36 hours it took us to get home so um yeah a long way
0: she's a, a, a bit of a trek all right and just a little mention there for Talbot fitness as well they're um looking after this uh particular episode here of the podcast marcus um 36 hours yeah where was the connection flights and stuff so you go to tokyo to where and then back to ireland what was the what was the itinerary
1: yeah, so actually on the way out, it was brilliant. We were in a business class. Um, so it was put the seat back and fall asleep. And uh, yeah, it nice. was great. We were going through through Doha um, and then Doha to Tokyo and then actually down to our training camp in Fukeroy. Um So on the way back, we were actually in economy. So uh, a bit of a shock so used to the business class you know so um but uh yeah no we managed managed to get back yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so you're winding wine and dine maybe not wine and dine that you probably had to be very very careful so it's just just off you go and uh, and sleep i'm sure if you weren't going to an olympics now you're a business class that could be a different story i don't know if you are a drinker or not but they definitely do wine and dine you to death on them yorks like
1: yeah it's, it's actually mad um when they come around it's almost annoying they're making sure everything is okay mr lawler and uh but uh yeah, no, it was it was a case of just sitting back and relaxing and we're actually almost in in the zone straight away because uh we were trying to follow the I suppose the Japan local time. So we were trying to sleep at particular times during the flight and um stuff like that. So um yeah, we were very much wheels in motion straight away from as soon as we got on the plane, you know. Good stuff. So when when did all this uh, madness kind of come about? Because from the time you get selected to
0: the time you're out there, there's not much of a time frame. So at what point did you find out you were going to be selected? Um, and what was the reaction like initially?
1: Yeah, so I suppose like qualification is an ongoing process. And uh, I was constantly trying to make sure you're in the top 56 athletes in the world because that's the cutoff, top 56 make it. And it was very anxious and stressed, kind of it was stressful to be honest following it making sure your performances were good enough to keep you in that top 56 bracket um so kind of just before the deadline day which was the 29th of June I think um I had a fair idea that I was inside it but you're not selected until you're selected so um I was delighted to receive the news like I think it was just only a few a week or so before we travelled and uh, yeah it was madness jesus thinking back now it seems like ages ago now actually but yeah it was class just getting the gear and um yeah I get I suppose when I saw all the gear that was when it kind of really hit me and um then the kind of announcement came out that it was that we were officially selected and even though I had an idea um I couldn't really say anything until the official word came and um yeah it was class I suppose it was just relief really as well um because we worked so hard for years to get it and um. yeah it, it came true yeah so in terms of the selection criteria the qualification
0: and all talk us through how you i suppose got yourself into a position to be selected so if i go back a couple of years ago um you were a very good world championships and it, is that literally the little springboard in the platform which gets this whole thing going
1: yeah, World University Games is one of my top five. So it's your, uh, it's your top five performances within the time frame that um, are included in your score. So uh, yeah, World University Games is one of them. But there was a number of others, and uh, yeah, it was yeah. I suppose that one was probably a big score um, for me. But uh, there was four others to match that as well, and um, there was plenty of other races in between that helped me to to achieve the times required you know now the other route was to get an automatic qualifying time which is 2024 but um that was that was just outside my reach to be honest and um it would have required me to run an irish record and um yeah but 2024 if you were running that kind of time it would nearly have you in a final out there so um the world rankings is the route that i got in
0: good yeah. so the finding out process like that's a phone call is it is it as simple as that
1: um and um, yeah weirdly enough actually it came through like slash email slash twitter and like the announcements from team ireland the olympic federation stuff and uh yeah but like the announcement was made on um on team ireland's uh um website slash twitter page and that was when i found out really and um even though i kind of had an idea of where i was like i kind of had uh, a lot of stuff in place already but um yeah so that was how we found out and um yeah it was it was hugely exciting to be honest um it didn't really sink in until kind of maybe a couple of hours after that announcement came you were like jesus this is really happening you know so um yeah
0: yeah right so you get yourself out there and what's the first thing that happens when you arrive then um you weren't straight into um the olympic village you you went off i believe for those couple of weeks maybe beforehand or maybe a week and a half a couple of hours down the road is that right
1: yeah yeah so we we actually went to um a place called fukuroi and that was our kind of host our host um town i suppose our city and um, we we stayed in uh that was our holding camp basically and we stayed in a really really top quality hotel there which is about three it's about three hours south of tokyo and um, we basically flew into tokyo and then got a bus down to Fukuroi and we were straight into the hotel um there now i mean this hotel was um really really top-notch i mean between everything like it was five star you know um and we weren't allowed to leave the hotel grounds and stuff due to covid but like the grounds are so big and we were happy enough where we were and um that was kind of our base camp and from there then the only the only place we could go was the track and the gym so it was a bus journey to the track and the gym um any days that were needed out there, so yeah, the first couple of days we were just settled in there wasn't much training happening, and probably on day three then we kind of were day four maybe that we really kicked off, but um yeah i jet lag is definitely a thing um <laughs> I couldn't sleep for a couple of days uh but um yeah we got got into it pretty much pretty much day four day five we really got into the swing of things and uh yeah, we had a good a really really good training camp there yeah.
0: stuff so uh the average day i suppose not not the first couple days because you mentioned you, you weren't really doing a whole lot but when you get into training mode then so how much of that time is occupied by doing your training and in the time that you're not training what are you actually doing
1: yeah that was that's actually an important one because we were afraid that things would be really tight with covid so um I did bring out like a, a few little bits of entertainment like my Nintendo coloring books things like that um just books to read maybe in case of a scenario where you're in isolation or that um we couldn't kind of mix as we would like but to be honest with you the team the atmosphere was great there and like when you're there I mean you're up in the morning you get your breakfast you do your COVID test you go off and you train for your number of hours and you come back for your lunch and before you knew it it was kind of two or three o'clock in the day and um I suppose there was various little things that like there was a pool say at the hotel and we were chilling there maybe in our downtime and I suppose when you have your teammates there we are in such an individual sport but it was a nice group there in fairness and um, we got on well and stuff and the days went pretty quick to be honest um, and yeah like between then you might get a physio session maybe and time passes by and before you notice know, dinner time and um but yeah plenty of i suppose there was team meetings and trying to a bit of table tennis uh there was a team's room there and um yeah no, there was there was the time was pre- filled pretty easily um but uh obviously training was the priority yeah
0: so at no stage do you feel like you're killing time you actually are kind of occupied and stimulated for most of the day like
1: yeah no to be fair yeah we did and that's important because outside of training time is just as important as training time because it can be you know you don't want to be left bored you want to keep yourself kind of keep your mind occupied and keep the body occupied as well and stuff Um now there was um i suppose the plan was before our races in Fukurai was to go up uh, three days before your event so there was, I was on quite in the middle of the program, so there was a couple of the team members um, uh, went up earlier than me, and the place kind of did quieten down in the last couple of days before heading to the Olympic Village, but uh, there was still, there was other sports there as well, so it was kind of a multi-sport camp really, like we had all the various different sports there, which was nice as well, so we got to know a few different people too, and um, um, yeah, so there was that kind of quiet period towards the end for me when a few people went up to the village they were on early on in the program and i was kind of uh, a little bit delayed getting up to the olympic village but um, yeah, no, i really enjoyed the camp i really enjoyed the camp it was brilliant and uh, it was yeah yeah
0: and how many days out was it before the race that you went up to the olympic village
1: yeah so i went up three days before the race so uh, i raced on the 3rd of august so was it the 31st i think would that be right around that um so yeah then it was kind of then when we arrived into the village it was like right this is getting very real now you know because um you can get into training more than the camp you know like you're getting into that constant kind of training and train and training but at the end of the day we we're at the olympics to compete and uh it was important that i suppose that three days before that you just got up there and you were like right this is happening now so um yeah, it was great to get up there. I mean, the village was the village was very good. Um and then visiting the stadium and stuff. So um yeah, yeah. Is it as
0: mad as people make out? There's lots made of this Olympic village. Um <laughs> it's funny actually. I think it might be one of the things we spoke about when I had yourself and Clina Manning on uh what three years ago, I think I was doing the interview with G. And uh, like it is supposed to be a crazy enough place, but I'd imagine with COVID maybe it was a little bit more subdued, was it?
1: Yeah, no, it, it it's it was class. Um, I tell you, it was actually a bit of a step down from the five star hotel to be honest, because uh, <laughs> you know you're on these cardboard beds and um, it was an apartment. There were a few of us in it, and you're kind of like, Jesus, where's my uh, five star hotel gone? But no, it, I see. I suppose I wouldn't have. It was obviously, my first Olympics, and uh, I suppose I don't know any differently. But there was definitely a little bit of, I suppose. A little bit of a stunt, I suppose, maybe with COVID, because even over at the dining hall and stuff, we picked our spot in the dining hall, and there was glass shields in front of you talking. And but, like, look, Team Ireland, we kept to our bubble and we kept to ourselves, and uh, there was good camaraderie there as well. So, um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the village, to be honest, as well. But um, yeah, it's actually mad. It's 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 yeah, it's built up just for the Olympics, and I suppose it's going to be sold off. Um, when it's all over and after the Paralympics as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Mad stuff. Yeah. So how much interaction do you have with the athletes in the different disciplines? Like, yeah, so I suppose in the, in the, in the camp, we would have had a lot of interaction. So like we were, we were, it was a multi-sport camp. So we would have been with, with everyone there. There was a couple of reserve rowers there and, uh, Natalia Coyle, modern pentathlon, loads of different sports, but, um, Yeah, up in the village itself, I suppose, it was a little bit tricky. Um, They were shipping people out pretty early as well. I think everyone was to be out 48 hours after their event. So, for example, the Rugby Sevens, by the time time I got up to the village, the Rugby Sevens were were already gone. Um, But there was uh, enough on the athletics team, I suppose. We we had great fun with the athletics team, and they were probably – there was probably a small bit of interaction with maybe rowers and swimmers and stuff. But again, um, by the time I got around to competing, uh, a lot of them were gone as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So like, obviously, uh, we brought home, was it eight medals? I think we brought home. Yeah. I'm not sure the exact count, but yeah. Yeah. Been, yeah.
0: So, yeah. um, you know, we, did we match our expectations overall? Do you think I'm going off on a slight tangent now? very early in the conversation, but yeah, like, our rowers we would have expected to medal probably like we knew we would a very good chance it still yeah. takes a lot to get that gold we did yeah. get the gold with with uh o obviously and and mccarthy there as well so that was that was incredible and then a bronze for uh the women's team then as well uh yeah. so that's what five we've got six medals there kelly obviously gets gold and yeah. uh, aiden walsh gets bronze as well very unfortunate that he didn't get to go for yeah. uh you Know a silver or gold or whatever, very, very unfortunate indeed. So, yeah, um, beforehand, do you think, in general, as a whole, between everyone, that Ireland would have been very happy to come back with that amount of medals?
1: Yeah, I suppose, look, each individual and each team will have their own kind of uh targets and I suppose expectations and goals. Um, it's so so hard to, to win a medal, it's it. it it's crazy how hard it is. And I think that was a nice, a nice tally. I'm sure there was disappointments as well. I do know there was a couple of others that were targeting medals as well. And, but they're so, so hard to come by. Um, and and there's, there's a bit of luck involved as well. Like I know Natalia Coyle got unlucky with her, the horse that she got in her particular event as well. So it can be so cruel too. Um, but yeah, look, I think that was a decent haul. Um, but it's they're so hard to get, um, and they're so you have to you, you there's stuff have to go right for you as well and you have to have a bit of luck too. And um yeah, I think that was a decent enough haul. But like I'm sure there's disappointments and I'm sure there's people that were very ecstatic as well. But um each person and each team will have their own different, I suppose, goals, you know. So Yeah. Yeah. Um I would uh, the crew from the different
0: sports, like you mentioned the interaction wasn't always hectic, you know, even though it was a a multi-sport camper, I think that's probably the way you, you put it, I could be getting you wrong on that. But did you have much interaction, say with Kelly Harrington or Paula Donovan or whatever in general? And what are they like as characters? Did you get to kind of know them in in any sense? Because uh, Kelly is obviously a lady, like we, we've seen that it's so relevant or not relevant, it's so evident, I should say. Um, you know, such a likable person seems to have come from very little and incredible what she's achieved. And um I suppose in 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 one sense i want to expect it to but knew going to be there or thereabouts as well the potential to do it but she delivered and um, but yeah. as as people did you get to know
1: them two in particular because they're two standout characters yeah kelly is kelly is class um i would have had i i would have known kind of kelly from i train in the institute of sport in dublin a little bit so you kind of cross over with the boxers um a little bit too and you kind of know them a little bit as well but to be honest I didn't actually see Kelly much out there we might have crossed paths in the in the hallway or outside go, going to and from the canteen but I know she was really competing as well so um but I I did kind of um have good chats with the reserve rowers in in the fukuroi camp and it was good to get to know them and good to see their point of view from the sports too and um, there was a little bit of mingling with the boxers as well afterwards um the boxers that were finished before Kelly um so yeah it was good to chat to them and look they're all great people everyone is everyone earned their place there you know and everyone uh everyone has a story i suppose too and it's it's um the the places were not handed out there and ever you know everyone really really earned their spot um so yeah like i, I did cross over a little bit with them there was probably not not over there wasn't too, too much interaction but enough to kind of yeah you'd be saying hello and have small talk and little chats but the general atmosphere amongst the team was very positive between everyone and uh you know I don't think you let anyone go by go by in the canteen without asking you know how did you get on or god you were great the other day or or how did you find your event and everyone wished you luck as well so um yeah there was there was great camaraderie in the group and um yeah you never walk by an Irish jersey without asking them I suppose I suppose how did they got on or uh, were they happy and um, yeah yeah is there a tangible
0: connection yeah. between that and even community games because I'm thinking of all the Carlo athletes maybe in that loan or I don't know if Mosney was a thing did you go to Mosney it was probably at loan for you was it uh, I went to both but I
1: never right. actually stayed so, I never stayed so um, okay yeah. right right yeah. so in yeah. in,
0: in uh, it's kind of the question is redundant but you'd obviously be up there and all the Carla people would be there and yeah you're all you're kind of asking how you're getting on is there a similar kind of yeah. feel little bit like uh, obviously ah, yeah. it's very different but you know it kind of it's, it's an evolution of that in one sense isn't it if you think about it like
1: yeah no absolutely i suppose on a smaller scale it absolutely is and you always want to know how your own are doing and uh when you see the irish jersey it it, it kind of gives our the Irish jersey competing and even i do remember in the Fukurai camp uh when we weren't quite up there yet, but the other events were ongoing. We were watching um say the hockey girls competing on the on the screen or we were watching Nash competing in the badminton and uh you really want to urge them on and you really want to kind of support them. And there certainly is that element of uh I suppose um yeah, like I said, supporting people and making sure you ask people how they did and making sure you congratulate them once once you were finished your event, you know. And there is an L I suppose there is. Uh yeah, absolutely. I think you always want to know how your own how your
0: are getting on and how your are doing you know yeah it's definitely an Irish yeah. thing and I'd have my doubts do other teams and countries maybe have that kind of connection uh maybe they do yeah. but I do yeah. think it's something that's perhaps uh unique to Ireland and I don't like using unique because it's very very literally unique and a lot of people use it even when it's not unique but I think yeah. in this case it is so let's bring no. it back to yourself again right uh in the last couple of days then before you go out and race um you're up or in the village or whatever your thought process is it the same as the first couple of days you're, you're you know you're getting closer to race day do you become more focused or what is there a change or are you literally still in the same kind of uh, mindset
1: i tried to stay as relaxed as possible um in the camp because i knew when i got up to the village that it was going to be kind of you're switched on you're in that competitive mindset you need to figure out what you need to do so uh, i wanted to save that for the three days that i was going to be in the olympic village So I tried to be as relaxed as possible in the camp and one of the key things, the key messages I suppose that we were trying to do out there was to run relaxed and kind of enjoy it and be kind of free when I was running and stuff. So constantly in the training camp, I was just trying to run relaxed, run free, enjoy myself, uh, trying to be very happy. And uh, I suppose a happy happy athlete then will in turn hopefully deliver a good performance and yeah like i mean i I was relaxed in the camp, but because I knew there was going to be three days in the village where you know tensions are high and other people are competing, and um you've got to be really focused for those three days um so yeah yeah
0: so like yeah. that's something that we will touch on actually here now, because we are going to look into your race in a couple of moments' of time. We have the video here, and we will talk through it, but it's something I was mentioning to you off here. I felt you looked so relaxed before the race like very very calm very very in the moment which yeah. i'd imagine is so so difficult considering the environment and the stage that you're performing on so uh, we have access to a couple of photos here which you, you kindly uh shared with us so i'm just going to try grab a couple of those to try and give a flavor or to back up i suppose to an extent what we're or kind of saying so uh is that on the screen there now i think it is should be
1: yeah that's up I can see it yeah
0: right so if we look at that in particular like and there's a couple of more shots that are very very similar you're you're enjoying yourself there like you're uh yeah I think that's I think it's fair to say I don't know what what point that picture's taken actually it's
1: yeah I think that's after the race but I, I I do remember after the race crossing the line and looking up on the big screen and I knew I was eliminated even though I had run a season's best I knew I didn't do enough to get through but I just remember looking around uh the stand and I tried to stay on the track as long as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I was the last athlete in my head off the track because I was just looking up into the stand and I suppose taking it all in and um, yeah, really enjoying the moment, I suppose. I think we have a shot there
0: of you maybe looking up into the stand as you're talking about. So let's have a look at this here. So is this you looking up?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably looking at the screen there at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: um, but again yeah demeanor is quite good uh you're not tense you're not disappointed you're just like yeah. oh jesus isn't this great we're at an olympic games like <laughs> everything i've ever yeah. dreamed of is just literally after um unfolding isn't it wonderful like how many people out there first of all like they're not going to have this opportunity but when they are there to actually be in that state of mind i think is very very commendable and uh i'd love to know how you did it i'm i'd be breaking out the thoughts of it like i'll be straight with you i just wouldn't have that kind of Uh, mindset I'd be nervous and I'd I'd have to try and balance myself somewhere but it all looks so natural to you like
1: yeah I suppose I I saw the heat draw before I came out obviously the day before and the two days before and I kind of knew that the heat was going to be extremely difficult I drew some top-notch guys the guy that won my heat ended up winning the silver medal and uh, I drew three guys that have run sub 20 they've run 19 seconds for the 200 and I knew that was going to be a challenge and I just kind of went in with the approach of with the approach of like absolutely nothing to lose and to be really, really competitive, but enjoy the moment and uh yeah, I think it worked. Um I suppose we were under the call room in, in, in the stand and this curtain opened just before we were let out onto the track and we were almost looking up into the stadium and I actually got a shock. Um I've run in big stadiums but this one we were almost kind of walking up from underground and they kind of pulled the curtain on us as we were entering the track and i got a real i got a real shock and um, to be honest with you. i thought it was i just kind of went wow you know like like i it was indescribable really but then i kind of just switched it back on it was like you know what you have to run here now in about five minutes so you need to concentrate again so i just i just switched back on and and then all of a sudden, with the empty stadium and stuff, um, there was there was five or six Irish athletes or more, maybe. Anyone that had competed or was done um, was up at the 200-meter start. And as soon as I walked onto the track, you could hear this roar from, from everyone that was there. And that made such a difference, you know, uh, the support there. And then it was just a case of, wow, I could hear them loud and clear because of the empty stadium. But then it was a case of just tuning in again and uh, – yeah kind of enjoying the moment and making sure that I, I had a job to do but to be relaxed doing it and uh, I think a relaxed body is kind of a fast body and that's how it worked yeah yeah so how does your like when you said
0: the curtain or whatever and you went wow is that a nervous thing or is that actually an excitement thing that you had to bring yourself back from
1: it was an excitement thing now there was nervous energy there but I won't say I was nervous and um, but again like we had this we had this base coverage you know I met the sports psych out there and you know it was mentioned like you're on the biggest stage you're ever going to be on how do you handle it and but for me it was back to a very familiar place I was at the start of a 200 meter race where I've been hundreds of times and that was kind of the view I took um so it, it was a nervous energy all right but it was an excitement when I saw the stand it was just it was incredible really um and then the Irish staff the Irish that were there were were amazing as well like they were loud and clear you know and uh mm. that was that was that was great you know and again maybe that comes back to what we we're chatting about earlier with the community games and stuff like you're cheering on your own and you knew they were there and um uh yeah yeah that was really good so
0: here's another shot like again you look like a lad that's enjoying yourself you're you're giving us socks there obviously <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah you certainly don't look like a lad that's uh <laughs> you almost if you don't mind me saying look like a lad has going for a leisurely stroll even though you're flat out but that's just literally uh an indictment of how relaxed you are in it like um yes
1: yeah some of the pictures uh have actually it looks like you're not trying um but uh yeah there was actually a, i'm not sure if you saw it but there was a video a head-on shot of the italian sprinter in the 4x100 meters 4x1 relay and um he was so relaxed and uh, he came through really strong and um, he 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 pipped the GB guy on the line to win gold for Italy but um, yeah I think it was an important factor in the season's best it was just trying to be relaxed and uh, trying to enjoy it and um, yeah, yeah
0: so season's best on we're going to have a look at the, the the race now we are going to bring that up on the screen in a moment's time season's best on the, the biggest stage of them all it's, it's not too shabby really is
1: it yeah it's good Kevin I suppose the competitor in me you always want more and I think, you know, I was having this conversation with someone, and it's earlier. It's it's it's, it's it, it was great to do a season's best, but for me, you need to be running twenty point five, and I feel like you really need to be in a semi final. Um, so I was happy, and I was sad. Like I I was happy that I managed to produce a season's best on the biggest stage, um, but I do think we need to be really targeting those semi-finals and being competitive in a semi-final. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I suppose a small bit disappointed. I couldn't do that, but the standard it's, is so, so high Kevin. It's cutthroat, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, I was happy I'd done a season's best because it could have easily swung a different way. Like I could have slightly underperformed, And that would have been seriously amplified on the big stage because these guys are serious operators and uh, it was important for me to be really, really competitive with them. Um, And I'm glad I done that with the season's best. Um, And to finish 29th, top 24 got to the semi-final. It was close, but um, I would have loved, loved to have got to a semi, but um, yeah. Yeah.
0: But it was a tough heat, like let's be honest about it. Um, I'm just going to hit share on this here, okay? So that should be up on our screens there now. I would hope. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if we bring our attention to the bottom, so the the current was it? <laughs> qualifying by time twenty point seven seven. So yeah, that's heavy yes. going. Like
1: so, yeah, well, so basically, I mean, those guys are the three non-automatic qualifiers going into my heat, and I basically had to better twenty point seven seven, which I did. But also, the other guys did as well in my race. Mm. So um yeah so going in there you were kind of looking at jesus could i sneak a, a non-automatic qualifying time but um yeah i, I ran 2073 and uh, yeah yeah it was just yeah
0: so let's let's play it on here right and i get you to talk us through it maybe what's going through your mind you're just like yep yeah, bring it on probably i assume and yeah uh, so just about yeah, ready to go
1: yeah, I got out pretty well. Um I actually got the second fastest reaction time in the race, so um I was pretty pleased with that. Um I felt I was very competitive up until probably just coming off the bend here. And um the field got a little bit away on me then, but those top four guys that you're seeing there, they all ran seriously fast and they were actually I think they were d- in they were most of the fastest qualifiers out of the heats that those mm-hmm. top those top four guys were pretty much in the top five that qualified out of the heat out of, out of the overall uh into the semi-finals and yeah. the winner of that the winner of that heat got a silver so um so yeah it's
0: interesting that you say second quickest reaction time because it does look every bit that you know what i mean um and the guys just seem to be getting a bit more grounded in, in the latter part of the race so like where are you kind of in relation to the 60 100 mark at, at, at that particular time is the guys just seem to get those gain in the last half of the race yeah is that correct yeah, or am i I'm off with that it's kind of hard to tell with the camera angle to be honest like
1: yeah it's it, they are certainly strong in the last end but they've run like 20.0, 20.1 uh which is serious serious moving the fastest ever Irishman all time ran 2030 um yeah. and you're the third of all like, time
0: with 2040
1: isn't it yeah yeah so yeah. like i mean it they did, did have that strength in the end um yeah. in the last end end of the race but um yeah look i mean there's definitely there's definitely room for improvement for me as well but um those are serious operators those four guys that were there's five guys in front of me um but yeah they're serious operators and uh yeah i I just i done my best as to try to be as competitive as possible with them um but um yeah look i mean there's definitely room to improve and definitely things to talk about here when we do the debrief and try get better you know
0: yeah so like just off straight off the bat uh you're kind of looking you're aiming for a semi-final right that's that's the the aim but then the realistic expectations, um, that's something that I like coming back to. Um, Would you say it matched your realistic expectations overall?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, in short, I suppose I came in ranked way down. Like I think I was ranked in the, I could have been 50 something, maybe 49. And I finished 29th. So the takeaway from that is, is positive, absolutely um and to do a season's best on that stage like it was great that i i suppose performed but yeah there's something just deep inside me saying that i just need to be at 20.5 um and it's figuring out a way to be better and to be at that um so yeah
0: (laughs) you've done you've been quicker than that before so you you are capable of it and you know that now and you have performed on the biggest stage of them all so we now have to aim I suppose towards Paris and you it's very it's pretty difficult like let's be honest about it's difficult to get back there so for you okay we still need to debrief you're literally just back in the country but you, you you've got to have an eye on that already and it's got to be going through your mind so what is the thought process from now
1: yeah absolutely um and you hit the nail on the head there it's actually qualifying for the olympics is probably the hardest part um So that's going to be a challenge again, to get there, to make sure that I get to Paris will be the first step. Um, And then the next step then will be trying to figure out, right, what do I need to do differently and better to get into a semi-final the next day, you know? Um, There's no guarantees in this game at all. (laughs) Um, There's no guarantee that I will go to Paris. I'll have to start the qualification process again and uh, be really, really good to get there. But uh, in the meantime, I suppose I don't want to think too far ahead because we have a European Championships next year and we have a World Championships next year. So they'll be kind of the goals. And, um, yeah, I haven't done the debrief yet, but we certainly need to find a way to be at that 20.5 mark consistently week in, week out when I race on the circuit because um, if you can do it week in, week out and then be able to produce it on the day there, you're going to be very competitive and uh you probably will be in that semi-final you know so um yeah right so that's where that's where we're at so let's let's move on to other questions
0: that we have super spike technology what's the story with this spikes what's the technology is there gains to be got from it or what's the crack with it
1: yeah there's been an awful lot of talk about it uh in recent times i think it started kind of in the marathon where they had this super shoe um with nike you know I'm not sure the exact ins and outs, but it was certainly shaving minutes off people's times. And uh, if you didn't have them, you were basically at a disadvantage. And they started making their way onto the track now as a spike. Um, So like it's a carbon plate on the spike and there's a responsive foam um, underneath your foot as well. So it's supposed to give you an extra bounce or a push. Now, to me looking in again, I'd be open to correction if you, I'm obviously a sprinter, but um, a few of the distance events seem to have uh, pushed on a lot, um, like maybe times that that once were considered, I don't know, whatever good are now considered, like everyone is doing them, you know what I mean? That kind of way. Um, it seems to be that case in kind of the middle distance to long distance events, I think. Um, so yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely giving people an advantage, and they have just recently come into the sprints. So, literally, this year, kind of in the last couple of weeks and months, maybe, um, they weren't available, um, but they became available shortly before Tokyo. So, um, I did buy myself a pair of Nike ones, um, but I think and I wore them in the race. But I do think the jury is still out on um how they improved the hundred and the two hundred and four hundred, probably you know so um yeah it's an interesting one uh you'd wonder why they haven't come up with it sooner because i often wondered if you put springs on your spikes would they not um push you forward or give you that extra stride length or that extra turnover but um yeah they're certainly making a difference in the middle distance events upwards and they're creeping into the sprint world now but i think i'd say the jury's still out on them it's hard to know it's hard to know yeah. well, the time will tell us as you so um yeah yeah
0: Do we need to develop a relay culture? Um, And if so, how do we go about doing that? Is it a matter of going out foreign a bit more and getting more exposure in that regard? And obviously, we're asking this on the basis of good performances from our uh, our relay team out there. Um, And we've got some very good individuals that we're putting in very good times, uh, both men and women. So is there a greater focus needed on relay going forward? And can we realistically target uh, finals and medals for Paris if we put a bit more focus on that
1: yeah I think um, I certainly think that we can They're mixed really done very well out in the Olympics like they done really really well they had four really good athletes on the starting line and they had two very good subs to step in if if were needed um, and they made an Olympic final and they were the only kind of I suppose the only track Olympic final that we got Um there's definitely an opportunity to put realistic together. There will be no reason why we couldn't have a 4 by one men's and women's in Paris and a 4 by 4 men's and women's in Paris and a mixed relay in Paris. Um, but that kind of needs to start now. Um, and even the mixed relay has kind of started almost a snowball effect. So they competed in world relays and they qualified for the Olympic Games, obviously just gone but they also qualified for the world championships next year. So they have their foot in the door now, if that makes sense. And um, I suppose, yeah, the other teams definitely could have an opportunity to do the same. Uh, We have the athletes in the country. I'm sure. I'm sure of that. Um, But it's just about putting the right, I suppose, structures in place and giving giving them the correct opportunities, giving us the good opportunities to, to show that we can do it you know um so yeah so definitely something for the governing body to think about for sure um and as part yeah. of going
0: about doing that um we have high performance boxing high performance rowing do we need a high performance centralized model for athletics is that one of the keys of getting us there um what do you see at the moment and how do you see that progressing is that kind of a something we should be looking at
1: yeah it's um it's an interesting one um we don't have any uh, paid high performance sprint coach. Just so again, I'm talking purely sprints now at the minute. But we don't have uh, a paid coach, high performance coach in the sprint world at the minute, and uh, in our country. And again, referring back to the sprinters, we all are training separately. And maybe we, maybe we do need to be training uh, together and collectively, and follow other models. Like I do think the Netherlands, I think they train together. Um, i think they train together in a centralized location and uh they have high performance coaches um in paid roles that are really really getting the best out of those those athletes and uh it's something that we should certainly probably consider but um yeah yeah it would be nice if we were all able to train together and we're all able to better ourselves um it does make the most sense to do that but uh yeah we'll just have to see what would mom think of that now um, I think she'd be totally open to that and um, I know she's my coach and stuff but um, you've got to figure out how to get to the next level and uh, I think she'd be happy enough if there was a big coach that came in and um, we'd be happy enough to transfer over no problem you know um, as long as it was for the betterment of my career and the betterment of my performances we'll we make those decisions and uh, yeah yeah and
0: here's a hard one now right this is a hard one was there any other considerations in different times where you might have went to a different coach? I'm really putting you on the spot. Like, was was that a conversation? And if so, how difficult is that conversation and would it be if you were to go to a different coach?
1: Yeah, like I suppose.
0: And by the way, just putting it out there, she's done a pretty good job. Uh, we've, we're talking to an Olympian here who she coached so. That's not a, a dig a poor mammy there, just in case we're coming across yeah. completely the wrong yeah. way. Just a genuine open question.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we've done well. I mean, look, we got a World University Games bronze medal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, got to an, we got to an Olympic Games and produced the season's best. We've done well. Um, Third fastest runner got, of uh, all time of 200 in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got to... Held a record in
0: CBS back. as well until, what, a couple of years ago? Um you've got done too <laughs> bad have you
1: <laughs> yeah no absolutely and um i i think we've got to figure out ways to get better too and she's done a good job um she's done a good job with me but um yeah we we i suppose we've developed over time like we've visited different coaches and we've got ideas from elsewhere like it hasn't purely been like um you know her way and that's it we've been totally open to kind of getting ideas from different people and um I think our training program has kind of developed over time and has changed now the last three years, it's been kind of very consistent, but, um, we certainly, we certainly kind of developed it over time and got ideas from here, there and everywhere and pieced together what we thought was the best model, I suppose. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, they're probably, probably were looking at other options and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I stuck with mom and, and we've done a good job. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, on those yeah. days, uh, good, bad or indifferent, I suppose. Is it difficult to separate that uh, mother-son relationship with sprinter-coach relationship? Considering, right, in, in the last few years, obviously, maybe you're not under the one roof, et cetera, et cetera. But in the times that you were, uh, is that a difficulty? How, is it hard to part that league? Like, or is it similar to maybe a GAA situation or a soccer situation? It-
1: it is and it isn't
0: um talking about when the car was sent away home and it's you should have done this you should have
1: fucking done that (laughs) you know yourself like yeah no oh jesus look kevin we've had a lot of times where we were pulling our hair out trying to figure out are we doing the right thing and uh trying to figure out what went wrong and there's been plenty of them conversations i can assure you that um but then I suppose it's hard for her I suppose the mammy factor as well comes in but she needs to have her coach's hat on when she's on the field to play or if she's in a competition with me like um she wasn't out in Tokyo with me but um we're in touch via phone and I never I've heard she was quite anxious um around the time of my race and stuff probably that mammy factor creeping in but that never fed into me at all I didn't actually um, I didn't actually hear that in her at all. Uh, you know, it was very much like how did the session go, and what did how was it sending back videos, and um, I never once got the impression that she was anxious in any way. And can that's can ask, important.
0: Sorry, just jumping in. Who who actually takes over then when your mom's not there? And the second thing, in addition to that, the the phone calls she's got to be obviously very cognizant of when she's calling you with the time difference and stuff too. So twofold.
1: Yeah, all that was all that was discussed and stuff before going into place or going into out to Tokyo and stuff. So nine o'clock my time was the time to call her, and uh, that was the time we call all the time. Um, and in terms of then who takes over? Well, there was there was kind of three other. There's a there's a good support crew out there in terms of the staff. Um, there was uh, a couple of different coaches out there. that kind of I uh, got various different help from from each one of them so um, and then videos obviously is great that you can just send them back and stuff so there was never an issue I was well looked after out there um, and uh, yeah there was just just making sure that communication was was good um, was the main thing for for me anyway yeah so is it because is it of Covid
0: yeah. she couldn't go by the way or is that would I have been in the situation regardless
1: yeah, so personal coaches weren't like I know allowed be to go there sorry, no,
0: Just to cut across you. I know she would be there in normal circumstances, coach or mother, but not being able to go there in that capacity, it's it's a COVID yeah. thing, is it?
1: Um, personal coaches weren't allowed there. But yeah, yeah, it was through COVID. Yeah, um, so they're obviously only allowed a number of staff and um, hard line. Yeah, so yeah that's just it's just the way it is but like you look i i'm I'm a senior now and it was three weeks of kind of look i'm well able to kind of look after myself and i know i i have a great awareness of my body and stuff as well and kind of how i'm moving myself and things like that too so um but she has been at all the championships i mean she was there for my world university games Uh, she was there for berlin european championships 2018 and in the warm-up area walked me right as far as the call room um which is about half an hour before your race uh so it was certainly different not having her there but um you adapted fairly well look, though like you could see you yeah, could see it in you yeah, so yeah and this su- the support staff were good in fairness as well so like i i was looked i was looked after very well you know so
0: so yeah. uh, switching it across to the next one where in ireland we love someone who was kind of a like a late bloomer in sport uh your literally the, the polar opposite of that because as you mentioned you know up to the last year or two you held the national record was that 100 and 200 with cbs uh um, 200 yeah. is it yeah 200 um okay
1: i think i could have had the 100 as well
0: yeah you did and, i think um, you did you it. had bought them for a while yeah. and but the 200 obviously yeah. lasted a lot longer and we'll come on to that in a moment because the guy that broke it isn't even running anymore <laughs> he's playing rugby which is mad stuff uh-huh. all together so the question that we yeah. have is Being, I suppose, a childhood prodigy, and maybe you're not comfortable with that term, but you were. You were expected to do well from an early age. You carried it through and got to an Olympics. How was that for you over the last, say, 10 years, that progression and channeling that and staying focused? Because you see with so many people that they may drop off. They may go to another sport, as we touched upon, with Sexton there and uh when we'll go into that in detail and greg o'shea and different lads like that uh Gaelic football would have been uh a distraction maybe is how some people might call it but a loss then is how Gaelic football people would call it from the other side who obviously uh all of, did wish you well when you're running but we all know you're a loss to the to games too so let's bring it back to the point how did you handle that weight of expectation
1: uh, is it just water
0: off a duck's back
1: um yes and no um it's hard
0: All right we're after freezing there for uh, a moment we'll uh, definitely hard uh, you're back can you hear me was, can you hear me Marcus you can
1: oh, sorry Kevin. i cut off was I?
0: yeah you cut off for a sec but you're back with us now so sorry. yeah okay. you got the question anyway
1: yeah um no it's 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 tough Kevin it's hard to kind of um it's hard to come through the youth and junior ranks um it's not a straightforward path i've had a lot of disappointments um a lot of uh, i suppose close calls as well where i didn't quite medal at a european under 23 championships things like that and um, i think the key thing is is to keep showing up consistently uh even when things probably aren't going well it took me a couple of years to pb as well uh i came out of school having run that record and it took me it took me a couple of years to pb um and i think becoming good takes time um and it's been tricky uh it hasn't all been straightforward and there's definitely been a, an awful lot more lows than than highs but um uh yeah it's been worth it every step of the journey has been all worth it now and uh i still have a bit to go <laughs> and none like you obviously had to sacrifice a lot of things
0: uh which other people aren't willing to sacrifice uh no regrets obviously like all those things i would assume are worth it now whether it's a night out whether it's a big chinese or some sort of a takeaway i would imagine there's no regrets when you you've gone through what you've got to go through in the last couple of weeks
1: no there was there was sacrifices I know people say you don't call them sacrifices and stuff or they don't view them as sacrifices, but um, there was things that I probably missed out on and stuff. And um, even in recent times, there's probably things that I didn't commit to or get involved in where I would have loved to, but you just can't. And uh, it's all for every single decision you make and every single decision I make is, in, in particularly recent times is to make sure that you are 100% ready when you step on the line in Tokyo and, um, yeah, like you, you got to be a little bit selfish in the sport as well. Um, and yeah, look, I certainly did miss out on things. I certainly would have liked to commit to other things, but, um, it's is all worth it. In,
0: is there stuff in particular that you would have liked um, to have done that you didn't get to do?
1: Not off the top of my head, but I I do know even right now I suppose there's stuff in the coaching world as well, maybe in the GA's GA as well, a little bit that you would like to get involved in, and you can't, uh, you just can't from an SNC um, point of view. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and helping out, um, it's something that maybe I'd like to get involved in down the line as well, but um, yeah, and then I suppose, yeah, like I suppose your nights out and your friends, um. Yeah, there is a there is an element to that. There certainly is for like you Do you probably take a drink, Marcus, eat. actually. Um no, I try avoid avoid um alcohol at, at all if at all possible. So yeah um yeah,
0: so um Not often then. So you'd have an odd drink, maybe a glass of wine or something like that, which you wouldn't like or even yeah. have that. Are you kinda cold turkey with?
1: Uh look, maybe we'd have a, a, a small drink now and then, but it wouldn't certainly be around in in season, you know. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it's it's off season, and it's it's. You are missing, I suppose. I suppose your nights out with your friends, and um, I I suppose. Yeah, look, there there certainly is an element to that, um, but it's not. It's my I've achieved my goals, and I'm still trying to achieve some of my goals. So it's it's um. Yeah, it's it's important that I make the correct decisions along the way, you know.
0: What was the first mm. thing you actually when you came home? What did you? you always had a craving for something when you came home, like oh, like
1: go? well, well, I tell you, not even a craving for not even when I came home. Do uh, you know the first thing I always go to when I finish a race is uh, is is coke. I love Coca Cola. It's I was straight. I'm not kidding you. I was out in the track ten minutes and I found a fridge with coke in it, and uh, <laughs> I straightened the hat so um straight back to the olympic village it was pizza chips burgers so um that was what i was i actually haven't run a step up until today since the race so um and i'm still trying to continue this season but um yeah i was straight on chips and burgers and uh, pizzas <laughs> yeah yeah. Even, in, even, Go on, yeah even in the olympic village you know you, you could get you could get any type of food you wanted so yeah i was going to say like you probably have all the brands there do you Uh, Yeah, you could get anything, you know. It was everything was available, and um, but yeah, for me, it was straight for the pizzas, straight for the chips, straight for the burgers. So yeah, yeah, and coke, coke. So yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: deadly stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's the question I actually uh, intended in asking. Uh, So I'm glad we kind of stumbled into it because I probably would have forgot about actually because we've been thinking, we've been um, speaking about the Olympic Village and stuff already. So 29th in the world, we've got to that. We let's go into Sexton and Greg O'Shea. So.
1: Did the two of them play on the sevens team out there together and all? Um, I'm not sure if Sexton got on the panel. I'm open to correction on that now. I know he he certainly helped him qualify. um, And Greg was obviously instrumental in helping him qualify as well. So, um, yeah, uh, Greg was my rival growing up. And um, Sexton broke my record. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they turned yeah. rugby
0: and Greg still went to the Olympics and you still went to the Olympics even though yeah. big rivals different yeah. discipline and how did you get on with him out there actually were you chatting to him at all or what was the crack with him
1: yeah so I suppose going back to what we were saying earlier the sevens kind of left the village right by so the time I arrived I, yeah so I yeah. didn't get the over. but um, we myself and Greg were at the European Youth Olympics together in 2011 So, yeah, we would have roomed together there and competed against each other along the way.
0: Mm, And no temptation for you to apply for Love Island. Uh
1: (laughs) Absolutely not. Jeez, I'd, be killed. <laughs> I'd say you won't
0: be all right um we might know the person who'll kill you as well but uh, I don't know if we uh, if yeah. that person wants to be named on the podcast or whatever but uh, <laughs> so listen and Greg yeah, in fairness yeah. to him he got a 2fm gig for a little while we have you on the uh the left wing back podcast uh maybe not quite a 2fm's level but look we're, we're trying our best right we're trying our best mm. <laughs> in fairness yeah. lad uh right okay so let's see what we've got left in terms of uh topics yeah something I wanted to <clears throat> get into I think we've um We've we've actually got through quite a bit and you've been very good with your time. And thanks a million for that. But for me, at home, looking at the coverage, I really loved the the no bullshit approach, by and large, by a lot of the pundits in RT. And in particular, um I'll go with the boxing first, like Eric Donovan, Brett Fresh Air. Like homework done, so sharp, very insightful, um, and very honest. And then in terms of the athletics. I just feel Derval and Sonia, they, they call it, again, so honestly and so straight. And yes, people might not agree with everything that's said, but they just don't do bullshit. They're just calling it um they should do better, basically. As in, you know, if anyone doesn't perform to the levels that they've set themselves and that they're expected to be at, uh, they'll say they should do better. Other people will say, Asher, look, they, they did their best there. And I i just like that. I like the fact, no they really should do better and obviously there is a, a little bit of care in that the person out there is not trying to do bad um but if the person is big enough they'll know they haven't done well and they won't mind anyone else saying it if they do take exception to a pundit saying it then they're not being really realistic and true to themselves either i suppose it really depends on who the pundit is too and whether they know their stuff or not so uh, i don't know if you got to see much of any of that at all but uh i do like that and i hope it's uh it's continued as a as a policy
1: yeah, um, I didn't actually see much of the coverage. Obviously, um, I didn't watch back much of the coverage. Obviously, but um, yeah, I know in athletics. Uh, if you're really honest with yourself and the good athletes, the good athletes always are. Um, there will be no bullshit. Um, and I know I was certainly told things as well by my own coaching team and stuff that like maybe you don't necessarily want to hear, but you have to be told it. Um, and you have to kind of take it on board and get on with it and figure out how to be better. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, look, I don't necessarily agree with everything journalists and pundits say, but, um, I think it's good that there is that approach. As you said, I think it's, it definitely is refreshing. And, um, yeah, but again, I suppose they always have to keep in mind too, that we're on that stage and, um, we're, we're always trying to do our best, you know, no one goes out to, no one goes out to put in a bad performance sometimes it happens and uh, particularly in the olympics when everything is scrutinized um and you're under like a, you're so exposed to the world i suppose like you are in a very vulnerable position if things do not quite go your way um and that's hard so um but everyone that steps on the start line and i know everyone that made the team out there and everyone tried to give their best and uh, that's all you can ask for, I suppose, yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
0: just one last thing. Is there a, a particular opponent in Ireland that you would have a lot of admiration and respect for and you'd listen to?
1: Um, God, jeez, you're putting me on the spot, Kevin. Um, uh, I, t- I think Derville can be quite good. or O'Rourke can be quite good. Um, but, uh, yeah, God, I, I, I don't know. You're putting me on the spot a bit. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. Yeah,
0: there's not gonna be yeah. uh someone that you universally agree with anyway, because in life if you oh. are that way, then what would you be act like? You might as well be honest about it, because you're not gonna agree with absolutely everything everybody says the whole time. If yeah. you are then you're um you're bullshitting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Being yeah. be brutally honest about it. So look, that's yeah. that's where we're at. Marks, we've covered
1: a lot of ground. So when when yeah. are we seeing you out again? Um, yeah, so I'm hoping to continue my season. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to run in the league this weekend uh, for Clonliffe Harriers, and um, I'm hoping to get one or two more races before the season is out. Uh, It'll be hard. It'll be interesting to see how I bounce back um, because I actually haven't run a step since the race up until today. Um, motivation has been hard to come by, to be honest. Um, of course, but, yeah, yeah. Um. But I have to try squeeze a little bit more out of this if I can, and uh, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I, ha- I have to decide and figure it out. So um, yeah, hopefully I can get into one or two decent level races and uh, try finish the season on a on a high again. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, well, yeah. just a couple of yeah. things
0: uh, before we wrap up. You can follow us on social media. You'll see it on the ticker there. But for those that are listening, you won't see it. Uh, at the left wing back is where we are on social media and you can email us there podcast at gmail.com if you wish to do so as well uh don't forget to subscribe on youtube and all the other platforms as well that we've just mentioned and also a word for our sponsors talba fitness at the talba hotel in carlo who've uh, kindly looked after us for this particular episode marcus an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh thanks for uh coming on with us it's, it's great to get the exclusive and get all the insight into what the olympic atmosphere is like you should be very very proud of yourself and i say that to you as a, as a person that, who knows you a long time as, as well as someone who was just interviewing you here for this uh, very very proud of yourself I think everyone in Carlo is exceptionally proud of you and I think you did very very well a season best at the Olympics uh, um, I think it's it's definitely uh, as you mentioned earlier your realistic expectations uh, were met and uh, we're all very proud of you anyway and I just like to get that across and say well done again and thanks for coming on the podcast Ari
1: yeah cheers thanks a million kevin and can i just say like the support yeah. from the people around carlo uh it was phenomenal kevin like and uh sincere well wishes like galore through facebook instagram twitter letters that came in the door here um flags on the road at home the send-off i got uh it, it comes back to, like it come back to people are so so good uh and they're really really good for supporting me and um I just can't thank people enough for that so um yeah
0: brilliant stuff well listen well done again you should be very proud of yourself those are those are great memories to have like all those things that stay with you for a lifetime so um very best luck, and we'll chat to you again soon boss all right
1: yeah cheers kevin thanks a million for having me on cheers